ghosts, specters, whatever you want to call them, they've been around for thousands of years. Apparently she died from a tooth infection in one of the upstairs rooms in the house. As in the locations they haunt. History of a Haunting podcast tells you all about these famous, infamous, and almost famous locations. And why they became terrifying places to visit. Grab a glass of wine and settle in with your hosts, Archie. I mean, that was definitely the wrong thing to do. And Carrie. Nobody asked for it, Carrie. Nobody fucking asked for it. But hey, my podcast, and I'll say what I fucking want. (laughs) Two people just winging it in life and this podcast. So enjoy this week's episode of History of a Haunting. Hey, everybody. Hi, guys. Welcome to History of a Haunting. I'm Carrie. I'm Archie. And today we are bringing you the Sally House. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, I don't have any EVPs to go over, and we do not have Patreon of the Week. Um, and So, tell your friends. <laughs> so, join, and you'll be our Patreon... What are they called? Patreons of the Week. There you go. You'll be one of those. Jesus Christ. <laughs> So, um, we had our anniversary. It was a wonderful, raging success, and we are very excited um, to start year two. And so, we're going to bring you the Sally House, which I'm going to, I mean, we already know the answer, but Archie, have you ever heard of the Sally House? Oh, God, no. Okay. Of course not. (laughs) Um, So, then you probably have never seen the movie about the Sally House, and you've probably never been there either. Oh, I was just there last week. I had no idea it was Oh, my God, I had no idea. (laughs) This shit happens in my house all the time. (laughs) Okay, you better hope it doesn't. Uh, Well, we can talk later. (laughs) Oh, God, sidebar, okay. Sidebar, my police might be worse. (laughs) Anywho, (laughs) we are talking about the Sally House in Kansas. I don't know what to do with that. It's okay, just leave it. Okay, go. United States. My information was found on Velvet Ropes and visitetchison.com. I think it's fascinating because I got some of my information from there, too, that the town is like, hey. Oh, yeah. We've got this fucked up house. Yeah, it's a small town. Let's capitalize on something. <laughs> Actually, there's a lot of haunted places in Atchison. Oh, and Amelia Earhart was born oh, there Oh, yeah, well. her birth house is not mm-hmm. far from this house. Yes. Sorry, Amelia. Um, I mean, the... You can put in a boom, boom, sad trombone sound, if you want, when you edit. I don't think I have that. Oh, I'm sure you can find it. I'm sure I can. (laughs) Built in the 1800s, this mid-century home has three bedrooms and two bathrooms. The 1,200-square-foot residence was originally built for Michael Finney and his family, who would live in the home off and on throughout the generations until 1947. And can I just say, finding a three-bedroom, two-bath home at 1,200 square feet in Phoenix is next to impossible (laughs) without spending more than $500,000. And I say this because I have been looking for a three-bedroom, two-bath home. And as a matter of fact, today, our very own Carrie Hopper signed paperwork on a brand new home. It's being built, yes. It's being built in North Carolina. 
Right now it's just a dirt lot with plumbing. The plumbing is done. They're laying the foundation this week. But yes, I did. And it's amazing. Thank you. I am so proud of you. Thank you. And jealous at the same time. <laughs> it hasn't hit me yet. And you were there when I signed the contract. I know. Yeah, I, I went over all of the contracts with you. He did, too. He was like, okay, the insulation. Oh, okay, this and the water heater. The insulation's and this and good. And okay, the plumbing. All right. That's okay. That's standard. Okay. That's, yeah, that's per code. That's code. That's code. Yeah, that's code. I was like, okay, I'm, if, I'll, if you say so. <laughs> um... I so anyway, uh, welcome so to fun. History of a Piece of Real Estate. <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge step. It is a huge step. It's huge. I will, I will have a, a, a plethora of uh, emotions and um, freakouts that you'll be getting texts during. Uh, I know. Um, but, yeah, it hasn't quite hit me yet, but then at the same time, like, Archie and I were just talking about, you know, what kind of Halloween decorations the HOA will let me have. <laughs> <You know? laughs> anyway, so, um, yeah, I, back to the haunted house. I know, here's the great thing. I know no one died in my house. <laughs> <laughs> but as Archie so rudely scarily, added scarily earlier, pointed out, it might be on an Indian burial ground just because, well... I mean, Pretty much everything oh in my the God, United what States. If it's what if, oh shit, what if, Arch, now well, go with me here on this. Okay. What if my new development is on the site of where the lost colony of Roanoke ended up and died? We'll find out and bring that to you live in Join an episode. Patreon to find out what the fuck happens. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's the sound. It's a good travel, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Four members of the Finney family at different times throughout the years died of natural causes within the residence. The property had numerous owners after the Finney family, but none would be as memorable as the Pickmans, a young couple who rented the home in the 90s and began reporting strange, sometimes violent, occurrences in the home that were beyond explanation. In the present day, however, the home acts as sort of a dark attraction for those looking for a scare as well as a hub for paranormal investigators looking to catch evidence of the spirit activity. That would be me. That's why I'm raising my hand. <clears throat> Though the home is referred to in modern times as the Sally House, there is no factual proof that a young girl named Sally lived in the house or died there. There is, however, an endless supply of urgent legends. What? There is, however, <laughs> there is, however, an endless supply of urban legends. Oh, there you go, Aaron. Oh, fuck you. Surrounding the story of the residents, one of the more famous of them being that a woman rushed her ailing six-year-old daughter to the home after the girl complained of severe abdominal pain. When Dr. Charles Finney discovered that the girl's appendix was on the verge of rupturing, he opted to perform surgery on her at his residence and did not even allow time for anesthetics to take effect before beginning the procedure. Yeah. The little girl died on the table. As the story goes, Sally's screams suddenly stopped and she grew pale and limp. She died on the operating table. Her last memories of a man 
whom she believed was torturing her. Not a, a that's not a leap. I mean, I know. It makes sense. Yeah. In another version of events, it is said that Sally was born as a result of an affair Dr. Finney was having with an African housemaid. Oh! When the little girl became ill, the mother brought Sally to her father, who would not allow for the girl to be taken to a hospital for fear that his extramarital activities would be exposed. Okay, this is new. I have never heard this story. Oh! I've never heard this version. Instead, he performed the surgery himself, and she died due to the botched procedure. So in either story, it's a botched procedure? Mm-hmm. Okay. While it's true that the tragic story of Sally could be nothing more than a macabre legend, it's uh, still... I'm sorry, uh, what? Macabre? Macabre? Oh, er, a macabre legend. Macabre? I think... Macabre. Goddamn French. Aaron, Aaron, write that down. <laughs> I think it's just macabre. 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 Legend. Macabre. We're spending far too much time on this word. Yes, yes we are. <laughs> it still doesn't mean that the Sally House hasn't seen its fair share of dark events. Since it was discovered in the early 2000s that there was a pentagram drawn on the basement floor of the home, oh, as well as evidence of satanic rituals taking place on the property. There was even a luminal test performed in the home that allegedly highlighted signs of blood spatter in the closet of the master bedroom, as well as satanic sigils on the walls. Sigils. That word I know just because they say it in Supernatural all the time. Ugh. It's a sigil. Okay. Very nice. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I am educated. I like sigly better. <laughs> <laughs> A bloody sweater was also reportedly found in the attic. Did it, Did you find when all this shit was found? The luminol and the sweater and the... After the 2000s. Holy shit. Yeah, it's pretty recent. Holy crap, okay. The activity has been so severe at times that some believe the hauntings may be demonic in nature or speculate that the Sally House could be home to a supernatural portal where spirits can enter as they please. Regardless of what the home harbors behind its walls, one thing many can agree on, there are some very odd things going on in this house near Kansas City. Tater agrees. Endorsed by Tater Tot. <laughs> um, yes, and I, I third that. Oh. Um, and we're going to get into the hauntings here in just a second, um, but... As I look around, I don't have my iPad with my notes. <laughs> so please hold, and I will be right back. <laughs> okay, I found my iPad. Sorry, guys. Um, so let's talk about the hauntings. Uh, this place is, is um, I'm going to give this five out of five bananas. Oh, wow. That's where it's going to land on the HOAH banana scale. Oh. Um, so I got my information from thesallyhouse.com, legendsofamerica.com, thoughtcatalog.com, and the new um, sister podcast of Crime Junkie uh, called Supernatural with Ashley Flowers. I listen to her podcast on it. Mm. Yeah, really, really well done. Um, also, I didn't get any information from BuzzFeed Unsolved, but I did watch the episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, hi Ryan and Shane, I'm sure you're listening. Oh, love you guys. Me too. So I want to start my part out with this quote 
by James Matthew Berry from The Little Minister. And it reads as follows. It re- and it reads vis-a-vis the following. <laughs> Quote, A house is never silent in darkness to those who listen intently. There is a whispering in distant chambers, and an earthly hand presses the snib of the window the latch raises. Ghosts were created when the first man woke in the night. Oh. Oh, that was really interesting, and it fits in really, really well with this... I'm I'm focusing a lot of my part on the Pikmin story, Um, and it it really ties in well with that whole story. Did you come across their actual story? I I did. So you know the whole story? I don't. Oh, good. Okay. Once I started to read some of it, I was like, oh, oh, no, no, no. No, Carrie's going to tell me this. I don't want to (laughs) know. Okay. Okay, so it has been featured on a number of TV shows, Ghost Adventures, Most Haunted Town, Unexplained Mysteries, A Haunting, and My Ghost Story. But the one that brought it to fame was the very first show it was on, Sightings, which aired... Oh, God. Do you remember that Sightings. show? I remember that show. I loved that I show. I did, too. I did, too. Um, it aired back in the early 90s, so, you know, just a few months ago. This show came and spent about three or four days with the Pikmin family, documenting all of the crazy things that were happening in the house um, and to the family. And the crew were not only there capturing the evidence, but they also witnessed it firsthand. Oh. Which is an interesting... It's an interesting twist, I think, on on some of the shows today. Like, this family... It kind of reminded me of the Enfield Poltergeist. You know how they spent like days and months with this family and they actually saw the activity themselves? Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing. So here's the Pikmin story. Um, <clears throat> in 1993, the house was rented to a young couple, Tony and Deborah Pikmin. Deborah was pregnant at the time with their son. Um, after he was born, um, they, they were living in the house when he was born. So it was after he was born that shit started to go (laughs) woo-woo. Sideways. Uh, Sideways, uh, up and down, backwards, Mm. far. I mean, it shit went crazy. And I don't know, I never really read anything that said maybe it was the addition of the new baby in the house that, like, maybe triggered it. They weren't living there that long when shit started to happen. Hmm. So, um... Deborah has written a book. She is also in charge of the Sally House website. Um, so she does, on the Sally House's website, she does talk about it. And she said that when they brought their new son home, um, it was a constant battle to get some sleep in the house. Which, of course, any parent, newborn, knows. That's, mm-hmm. right. that's sort of, um, well, that's the way it goes. That's how it is. That's, yeah. And, and they tell you that from day one. <laughs> Um, at least hourly, apparently, the baby would, would awaken every night as if he had been disturbed in his sleep. Hmm. Um, it didn't matter that they had just fed him or had changed him or that he was comfortably wrapped, swaddled, none of that. Um, it was almost as if somebody was playing with him or wanting to wake him up, wanting to play with him and waking him up to do so. Oh. And it's really interesting, too, when you have a newborn baby... Um, I remember my cousin Cheryl saying, you know, you're going to learn Koi's cries. 
and he's going to cry differently for his different needs. And I'm mm. mm-hmm, sure. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're funny. But she was right. Yeah. And I, it doesn't take a new parent long to learn those cries. Mm-hmm. So when she mentioned this, I was like, you know what? That's a very distinct... It's almost like they're startled awake. And it's a scared cry just because they were sleeping so peacefully. And if you, you know, never wake a sleeping baby kind of a thing. So, um, she said it was almost if somebody wanted to play with him and was waking him up to do so throughout the night. So the constant activity of this, her and her husband, Tony were exhausted 24 seven. Um, and she goes on to say that at, at the time, because we were such new parents, we thought the constant waking was normal, and we didn't realize how out of the ordinary this particular situation was. Hmm. Um, she also had said that at one point she spoke with their neighbors to the north of them that lived, I guess, in a red brick house next door. And <laughs> she said, in a casual conversation in the backyard, I was shocked to learn that the light in the nursery could be seen by Carol and Dawn at all hours of the night. In fact, Carol had asked me if there was a reason that I had the baby sleeping with the light on at night. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I did read. Did you read this part? Yeah, I did read that part. Um, she apparently explained that, that their son had actually been sleeping in a cradle in their room and suggested that maybe what they, when they got up in the middle of the night, it was the hall light the neighbors were seeing. And she, the neighbor was like, no, it's the, definitely the light on the ceiling of the nursery that's on. So I don't know, maybe they didn't have the curtains closed, or maybe they had sheer curtain, like how? Right. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> I guess, like, some time had gone by, and they were really close with Tony's parents and sister, so they had been over at um, Tony's parents' house, and she was talking with the sister, who I guess had a high chair, to give them. And that one day the sister had dropped the high chair off at the house. She had a key to the house, and Tony and Deborah and the baby were gone for the day or whatever. So she went into the house to drop the high chair off, and she wanted to see how they decorated the nursery. She went upstairs. She looked in the nursery. And she was like, oh, okay, you know. Oh, that's cute. That's so cute. Oh, my God. Um, But she did mention later on, um, after Deborah questioned her about something, she did mention that um, she got the feeling that she shouldn't be looking in the nursery. And she should get the fuck out of the house, like, right away. Oh. To the point where she kind of felt like, I was just supposed to drop this off. Like, why am I poking around their house? Like, it. She mm. felt a tremendous amount of guilt mm. for mm-hmm. going, doing more. I mean, even though it was her brother and her sister-in-law, like she just felt really guilty. Yeah, and nobody's home. There's no shame. And there's right. And all she did was like go upstairs and like look at how they decorated the nursery. It's not like she was poking around her underwear drawer and found her dildo or anything <laughs> fucking weird oh, like that. Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> But she felt guilty as if she had done those things and has been, was, like, snooping around their house. <laughs> and so it bothered the sister-in-law so much that she, when they were over there visiting the parents, she was like, hey, just so you know, I just want to let you know that I did this. And, and Deborah's like, okay. And she was like, what'd you do? She's like, I, I went up to the nursery and I looked at it. And Leia's dreaming. Oh. Oh. Are you sure? 
Oh, yeah, look at those paws go. Yep, she's dreaming oh, about her new she's, backyard. She's running. She's dreaming about her new backyard. She's chasing the squirrels. Where the hell was I? Oh, God. Um, she felt really guilty for going up to look yeah. at the nursery. And yeah, it, it was such an so. innocent... Yes, it was such an innocent thing for her to do. Um, but she felt guilty about it, and she felt like, I shouldn't be here, I need to get out of this house right now. So, okay. Take that Put as a you pin may. in that. Yeah. Um, and Deborah even had said Tony and I had no problem with her doing this. Um, but I guess after having looked at the nursery, the sister didn't feel right about it at all. And I'm like, okay, well, that's weird. Um, mm. yeah. So, they got home from the parents' house, and, um, I guess her sister Karen was visiting because they were getting no sleep, and the sister was, um, taking care of the baby during the day so that Tony and Deborah could nap and catch up on some sleep. So they were all over at Tony's parents' house. They come back home, um, which was apparently only five minutes away. And they had been at the parents' house for about a half an hour. Um, or no, they had come home and they had been home for about a half an hour. Tony, the husband, went upstairs to use the bathroom. When he came back downstairs, he found her and the sister in the kitchen and asked why she had put all of the baby's stuffed animals on the floor of the nursery. And she was like, what are you talking about? Um, and he said that, you know, he repeated himself. He's like, all the baby's stuffed animals are sitting on the floor in the middle of the nursery. Um, so she was confused. She was like, what are you talking about? What do you mean? How did they get there? So at this point, her sister Karen walked in in time to hear the husband's comment. And they all promptly marched upstairs to take a look. Mm. She says, quote... We got to the nursery, exactly as Tony described, not that I doubted him, all the stuffed animals had been placed on the floor in the middle of the room. In addition, they had been neatly organized into a circle. Their backs snuggled up against each other, facing forward. As I stared at this display, I got a really weird chill down my back. Mm-hmm. So, it creeped them all out quite a bit. They were not sure... How that happened, who did it, they called the sister and they were like, when you were looking at the nursery, <laughs> did you happen to arrange the toys in a weird way? <laughs> and that's when the sister was like, no, I didn't. Um, but I did feel that that's when she fessed up and she's like, I felt this rear, this really, like I was intruding on something very private and personal and I, I felt really bad and like I needed to get out of the house so that sort of answered that mm. question as to why she felt so fucking weird yeah um and cause Deborah and Tony were like it's not a big deal why is she making a big deal about she looked at a baby's room I mean <laughs> what the hell so that sort of answered that question as to why she was feeling so bizarre see I didn't I didn't read any of that you didn't no okay um well and that was the other thing too was um, the toys weren't like that when the sister looked in the room. Right. They were perfectly normal. So, this continues for kind of a while. Um, and it started with the toys, and then it would kind of escalate to, like, electronic malfunctions. Mm -hmm. So, like, alarm clocks would go off oddly. Lights would be turned off and on. Mm. Um, at one point, Deborah, her sister, and Tony purposely shut off all the lights upstairs and 
we're sitting down in the living room and Deborah had to use the bathroom. She's like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> no. They were like, that's exactly what they said. No. Why? What? <laughs> so they actually went with her, not to the bathroom, they, they walked her to the <laughs> stairs and then they stood there at the foot of the stairs while she walked up the stairs. And she's like, I turn around and look at them and they were both like, like clutching each other's hands, like, what's going to happen? Like, something's going to suck her into the stairs. Or oh, and They were really, really scared over this whole entire thing. Well, yeah, as they should be. For sure. That's fucked up to it's, begin with. It's getting worse. Oh, good. It gets worse. I'm glad I have beer left. There you go. Good. We've got plenty more for you if you drink that. <laughs> um, so she walked up into... She walks up the stairs, and she basically looks in the baby's room, and she exclaims, holy fucking shit, or holy friggin' shit, or something. I think I added the fucking. So immediately, Tony and the sister run up the stairs. Sure enough, the light in the baby's room is on. And they purposely made sure to turn all the lights off, because they wanted to see. Mm -hmm. And it was only ever seen to be concentrated in the baby's room. That's a, they had electricians come out and take a look. They checked everything. You and it found was, some really good shit, yeah, didn't you? I did, I did. And it's getting worse. Oh, so, oh boy. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> uh, let's see here. Where are we? Ah, yes. So, it would be where they would walk back into the room over the course of time and, like, this one stuffed teddy bear would be on the floor. So they started thinking, okay, this isn't a prank. I, 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 there were occasions where they thought, someone's broken into this house and they're fucking with us. Mm -hmm. So they would search the entire house, which, 1,200 square feet, that's not, like, they weren't searching forever. <laughs> Tiny little house. Yeah. Um... They finally, Tony talked to his father, and he was telling his dad about the shit going on in the house. And the dad's like, you know, I've got a friend who's a psychic. Maybe I can tell her about this. Maybe she can give you a call. So Tony's like, okay, cool. So the friend calls Tony, and over, through, over the phone, she was like, yeah, you've got a ghost in your house. And Deborah, at the time, Deborah was fascinated. Like, she was sort of like, this is really creepy, but at the same time, she... Wasn't upset that it would be a, it was a ghost. It was like would be my reaction. Right. It's it's Neat. not it's not causing drama. It's not mm -hmm. drawing it's blood. It's not scratching. Toys. It's just having fun. It's playing with toys. <laughs> so it's a child is basically what the psychic said, and I think I, I think this psychic was like her name is Sally. So I mean there are psychics that can like you know tell what's going on even in a phone conversation they don't necessarily need to be commune in the space and touch the walls and you know mm -hmm. what i mean yeah some of them can do that um so they found out through this dad's friend um that there was a little girl that ghost that was in the house and her name was sally um the psychic i believe the psychic described her and said that she was really cute blue eyes blonde hair cute little girl Okay. So, immediately, Deborah's like, aww. Oh, yeah. New mother mm -hmm. immediately was like, oh, okay, you know, that's fine, blah, oh, blah, blah. We'll take care of her, let her know she's always she's, got a home here. Yeah, kind of a thing. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So the, Tony, on the other hand, was like, I don't know about those. <laughs> <laughs> um, but apparently on the morning of October 31st, 1993, what were you doing that day? I was brushing my hair. Was your hair long? No. It was Halloween. I was brushing my hair. <laughs> I think I was going to a, getting ready to go to a Halloween party or something with 1993. 93. I was 16, so you were 14. God no, I didn't. Have Actually, to. I think I was working the dinner shift at Garcia's. <laughs> oh, feedback. Sorry. God, Halloween at fourteen. Yeah. I, I I know I wasn't doing shit. Yeah, I, I think I was working the dinner shift at Garcia's that night. I'm pretty sure. Now Archie, me leaving this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for reminding me I didn't have a life when I was 14. Yeah, thanks. Anyway, so on the morning of October 31st, 1993, after getting home from work, Tony went into the kitchen to pour himself a glass of milk. Oh, that's wholesome. Milk? Yeah. Um, milk? I mean, that's not the most shocking part of the story. Oh, isn't he an adult? Yeah, but... Living in a haunted house? I, they don't know it's haunted. I mean, they don't... He doesn't believe it's haunted at this point. Okay. But is that the most shocking thing of this whole story to you? Sadly, yes. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm going to go home and have me a nice cold glass of milk. Okay, fine. For creative license, he got home from work, <laughs> and he went into the kitchen to pour himself a shot of straight bourbon. Oh, my God. Bourbon? A, a, a father? <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. Shut up, Elizabeth. Bingo square. Bingo square. Fuck yeah. Okay. So he went into the kitchen. Okay, I'm sorry. To be nosy. Let's see what was going on in the kitchen. I'm so sorry. (laughs) When he was startled by the sight of a young girl staring at him, and she seemed startled at the sight of him too, he dropped his glass of fill it with what you want. Bourbon. Bourbon. (laughs) And milk. (laughs) Ew, could you imagine a glass of bourbon and milk? Oh, bartender. Bourbon and milk, please. (laughs) Straight up. Straight up. Bourbon and heavy cream, thank you. Um, No ice. He dropped his... No, wait, one ice. (laughs) He dropped his glass to the floor where it shattered into pieces and ran up... (laughs) Ran up the stairs terrified to to Deborah. (laughs) Um, it was only later that he recalled that the little girl was wearing a white dress that looked like it came from the 1800s. Now, didn't your story, didn't that take place in the 1800s, I think? Or was it the early well, 19th? The, the house was built in the 1800s. Okay, so when was that story about the little girl and the botched appendectomy? It is not stated. Oh, it's okay. more of an urban legend. Yeah, I mean, it's true that the Finney family, that is historically accurate, but there's no record of this little girl, which, honestly, I'll think about this for a second. If it was a doctor who should not have been performing that surgery, there wouldn't be a record of this little girl. Right. So, maybe it's not an urban legend. And if it was a philandering doctor Mm -hmm. who shouldn't have been performing... Surgery. Yeah, there wouldn't be a record. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. The little girl was wearing a little white dress that looked like it came from the 1800s. Um, according to Deborah, Tony ran into their bedroom out of breath and said, quote, I saw her, I saw her. When she asked who he saw, he said, Sally. 
So, he said, she looked just as real as you and I, innocent looking and sweet. She had a surprised look on her face as if she was just as curious. She wasn't scary looking at all. Okay. Okay. Easy peasy. That sounds, you know, to me. Mm-hmm. Um, however, over the next two years... Two um, years. And sometimes on camera, as film crews were taping, because remember, sightings visited them for like three days, mm-hmm. Tony would suddenly become covered in bloody scratches and burn marks. A few times he was actually knocked backward onto the floor and pinned down as if an invisible force was restraining him. Now, over the course of these two years, however, Deborah... Um, said that in an attempt to appease Sally's spirit, she would buy her um, gifts, such as, like, toy dolls, because the um, the little girl or whoever wouldn't stop playing with the baby's toys. Hmm. So at one point, she bought a doll for this little Sally and wrapped it in gift wrap, and she set it in the floor of the nursery. Well, I guess several days went by, maybe several weeks, I can't remember, went by and that box just stayed there on the corner of the floor or whatever. And then one day she found the doll she had bought in the baby's crib. But the box it was wrapped in was still wrapped sitting right where it was. Oh, shut the fuck up. And holy shit, that's insane. Yeah. Um, So (laughs) apparently even though... Deborah was had sort of uh, adopted a, a, a maternal um, emotional connection with this little girl ghost. Mm-hmm. The attacks on Tony didn't stop. Oh. So um, apparently, Tony would usually not acknowledge Sally, but on one occasion, after um, Deborah had left the room, she left Tony lying on the couch. Um, Tony. With who they think was Sally, was she bit him on the back of his thigh. Oh. Um, the bite didn't break the skin, but it did leave teeth marks. Um, and it was about the same size teeth marks as that of a young child. Um, Deborah had gone on to say, quote, I don't remember why we didn't take photos of this. I should also mention that our baby Taylor was only a few months old and had no teeth. So it couldn't have been him. Mm-hmm. that did it. In addition, the locations of the teeth marks were such that Tony would have had to have been a contortionist to have made them on himself. But again, they were the size of a child's mouth, not a grown man's. Right. There's no way you could bite the back of your calf the way this was done. So I guess it was, I'm guessing it was more done like up and down as opposed to like I across. Guess, I guess I so. guess. She, she didn't take pictures, so who knows. Good job. Thanks, Deborah. Um, <laughs> such a Deborah thing to do. Um, so apparently, according to Deborah, a number of psychics, because then pe- by this point, people started to hear about the house. Sightings had heard about it. They had come to film. It was a whole big thing. Um, Deborah said that the consensus among psychics was, quote, it has been said that the negative entity within the house seems to reside um, in a hole in the back of the basement that is older than the house. Um, that that is this basement part of the house is attached to the land. It is surmised that it fears certain strong living energies and attacks them, 
or that it draws them closer to use the available energy. A psychic once said regarding a more recent group investigation that the experiment we were doing in the basement with the tuning forks was bringing up human spirits out of the ground beneath us and that this dark and negative force was significantly angered by this action. So now they got people coming into the house. You got this today? Yeah. Good lord. I know, I'm good. I know you're good. Um, <laughs> so Didn't now that know I, you were that good. I mean, now you do. <laughs> um, so now they got people coming into the house and bringing new shit. Essentially. Oh. Because... After the, the the violent attack started happening to Tony, and it was always three scratches on him, on his back, on his shoulder, on his thigh, on wherever. And the idea behind that is that it's tends to be demonic, where if like somebody was a human or a human ghost, the ghost of a human, a human ghost, the ghost of a human were to scratch you, it would it stands to reason it would be four because right at a minimum. At a minimum. But these were always three, which in the, in the paranormal um, community, the idea behind that is that it's demonic. And the three oh. scratch marks is mocking the Holy Trinity. Oh, okay. So That's really interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, for us. For Tony, it was probably fucking horrible. <laughs> this is interesting for, for Tony, us. that was probably a really big deal. A really big deal. <laughs> Um, and not interesting at all. <laughs> um, so now they've got these psychics and these groups coming in that are doing these, you know, investigations and these experiments that are now bringing other human spirits up out of the ground in this fucking hole in the basement. Mm, yeah, I'm not all about that. I'm not all about that. Um, so like I had said earlier, like over the next two years and sometimes on camera... He, Tony would suddenly become covered in bloody scratches and burn marks. Da 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 da. Um, so there happened to be a situation toward the end when they were. This had been going on for years. Sightings had been there. Investigators had been there. Mm-hmm, that bazillion mm-hmm. psychics, who also said that one of the psychics said that it was not only the little girl Sally, but there was an older woman spirit there. And they believed that that was the spirit that was um, assaulting Tony. So, um, one night, Tony started to um, avoid Deborah and not really acknowledge her, um, not really listen to her when she was talking. He almost sort of like withdrew in himself because at this point, the violence is being focused on him. He can't tell anybody. I mean, anybody else that he's already told, nobody can help beyond what they've already done, which is just send more people to his house. Right, and everybody also think he is crazy. Right. Um, they couldn't afford to just pack up and move, although it was interesting that it went on for years, so they were clearly renewing their lease. <laughs> so that was my first thing. Like, okay, fine, you couldn't just leave, but after your lease was over, mm, uh, that would have been a good yeah. out. Yeah, we'll stay here another year. It's not so bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. Oh, three bad. more. Exactly. Three more scratch marks. So that was just sort of my take from it. I was okay. like, huh. Okay. Um, but one night closer toward the end, after Tony was really becoming withdrawn, um, angry, uh, just not himself at all, uh, he had gotten home from work and there was a cat in their kitchen. 
and it wasn't their cat. Did they even have a cat? I Nothing I read said they had a cat. Nothing I heard said they had a cat, but there was a cat in the kitchen. They might have had a pet because this cat was drinking... Oh, no, I know what it was. The cat got in the kitchen and was drinking the milk out of Tony, the little boy, not Tony's, their son's cereal bowl that had been left on the counter. The cat was drinking milk from this cereal bowl that was left on the counter. And Tony flew into such a horrific fucking rage, he took a butcher knife and stabbed the cat to death. Repeatedly, over and over and over, killed this cat. Not tried to get it out of the house, not anything like that. He just flew into a rage, grabbed a knife, and murdered the cat. Oh. And. Okay. Yeah. I I was going to give you a warning and be like, sorry about this, Arch. But the last time I did that, you were like, why are you telling me sorry about this, Arch? So I thought, well, I'll just just hit him with it in both barrels. (laughs) Which would you prefer I do in the future? (laughs) Because the look on your face is horrific and sad and also like you want to stab me now well no I mean I just didn't know that was an option stabbing me? (laughs) no cats oh (laughs) um yeah so that is that is horrific it's horrific and And it sounds like a man who has been at the end of his rope he doesn't remember doing it I so that I believe it Leads most people to thinking possession. Oh. So I guess, and I can't remember if it was just as he was coming out of this state, um, he realized what he had done and he cleaned up the entire mess. And he didn't tell Deborah about it for a long time. Got rid of the cat. The whole bit just kind of came out of it and was in his kitchen and went bloody knife, dead cat. And he was like, what the fuck just happened? Uh oh. Yeah. Kind of a thing. Oh my God. But he does remember as he's coming out of the state that his next thought was, Deborah's next. Holy shit. So it was at about that point um, that they were like, we've had enough. We're moving out. We need to We need to. We leave. gotta go. We gotta go. Um, what was interesting is, I guess Atchison isn't a very big town. No, it's very small. And you looked it up on the map, didn't you? Of course. Of course. It's northwest of Kansas City. Mr. Map. Hello, Archie's new podcast, Mr. Map, where he talks about floor plans and maps. <laughs> hey, you were the one that said it on the Facebook Live today. Hey, I might ring you in on it. I mean, you might. My podcast. You might. Um, anyway, so he did mention that they had moved to a house that was maybe five blocks away, maybe five miles away, not oh, far yeah, from this yeah. house. No, no, they still live. In the city. They still live in the city, but and so they don't live very far from this house. But um, Tony remembers, they've been gone for years, but Tony remembers, I don't know, a year or so later, waking up, standing in front of the Sally house. He had, it was 10 blocks, that's what it was. He had gotten, um, slept walk, walked, slept, sleep walked, what is it, Aaron? Sleep walked, slept walked, walked. Sleepwalked, I think. Sure. He was asleep, and he walked to the house. (laughs) Okay. So, anyway, he sleep, slept, walked, waked, moseyed, 
Wow. To the house. Sleep moseyed. He, yes. I like that. He doze moseyed. Doze moseyed. Oh. <laughs> he doze moseyed to doze the house. Doze moseyed. Um, and woke up in front of it. So oh. there's obviously something in that house that had a pull over him mm. after all that time. For sure. Um, so I guess two years after that, um, <laughs> they had returned to the house about a decade later with psychic investigators. A decade. Um, the first few visits were fine. There was no incident. They thought, okay, it's let him go. Um, but after those few visits, Tony was assaulted again. Yeah. Um, I did read that. Yeah. So I guess he was brutally attacked and minutes later, um, only minutes later after being in the house, um, he was lifted up, thrown four feet backwards into a door and unable to get up because the force was holding him against the door. Um, it was only the words in the name of God, let him go that enabled him to get back on his feet to flee the house and its grip. I don't know what this thing had never set foot in it again. Exactly. And she even says, we fled the house so fast that we didn't notice the damage that the door hitting the wall had done, but we contacted the owner to let him know what had happened. Like, Oh, by the way, the demon that lives in your house threw my husband into the door and it kind of smashed into the wall. Sorry. Sorry about it. Right? We're not paying for that. Right. My landlord would be like, mm-hmm, if I had to get a dollar for every time someone used that <laughs> demon excuse. But my landlord is an asshole. Um, but only for four more months because I just bought a house. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. Um, Legends of America actually went and did an investigation at the Sally House. So on November, November 13th, 2004, they um, went and did an investigation of the Sally House with the, one of the local residents by the name of Jerry Talbert. Um, now, they did obtain permission from the home's current owner. Um, they brought all of their sophisticated electronic equipment. Apparently, as of this year, the home was newly remodeled. It had brand new carpet. Um, fresh paint, all of that. When they walked in the house, they noticed there were paint cans kind of still sitting around the house, and they heard the sound of a radio playing faintly from one of the upstairs rooms. And I thought, well, that's an interesting kind of, like, hmm. setup. Like, you know you have people coming out. Let's just or turn the radio on. And leave some paint cans. It's weird. Um, I mean, maybe they had just finished the renovation, so the paint cans, sure, but the radio, I thought, well, okay, weird amb- ambiance, but sure. Anyway... Um, the author of the article said the first sign that perhaps there is, perhaps there is still some activity in the house occurred when I went, was the first to climb the staircase to the upstairs rooms. Suddenly the volume on the radio increased fivefold in no time at all. Renee, a member of Jerry's group appeared behind me. Did you turn up the radio? No, I had responded. The volume had increased before I had even had a chance to reach the third step. Later, one of Jerry's crew picked up an odd noise on a voice recorder that might have been described as a little girl's voice, and another member reported having felt being pinched. Ouch. A pinch. A pinch. Um, The psychic that Legends of America had brought along described that while the house still has some type of presence, it has little activity. She did get a sense of anxiety in one of the upstairs rooms. Um, Apparently, they took a ton of pictures while they were there. Um... And only one of those pictures suggested the possible sign of something unearthly. 
um, on the staircase where the author had stepped when the volume increased on the radio, mm. an orb appears in the photograph. Um, he does say that while this might be contributed to the use of a digital camera, the coincidence is interesting. Hmm. So, um, the Legends of America group that had um, visited the Sally House with Jerry Talbert, um, Jerry and his crew had continued their investigations of the Sally House. So he goes there often. Um, he's reported recording audio of several sounds in the house during one of their 60-hour investigations. I can tell by the look on your face you're going to tell me we can't do one that long. Mm. No, no, no. Okay, fine. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) These include the audio of a little girl singing and playing, one that sounds like a little boy, one of a man, another of at least one woman, maybe two. Other recordings include the sound of coins hitting the floor, footsteps, thumps, growls. Growls. I I have yet to hear a growl in an EVP. Mm. But that would... I think I would be like... Yeah, I, I think I'm that would, pretty sure that would sufficiently freak you out. Absolutely. But wouldn't it freak you out? If you I, were in I, a room and you hear a growl on a recording that you didn't hear with your own ears and... Yeah, yeah, you're right. That would freak me out. Yeah. Um, whispers. Uh, often when the crew is talking, other voices have been heard interacting with their conversations. <laughs> um... Jerry apparently concluded that the house is still haunted, though there is nothing left there that is evil. Um, He continues expressing his opinion that whatever malevolent malevolent presence was there when the young couple lived at the house, it left when they did. Not cool. Because it probably followed Tony. It probably went with Tony, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because it liked Tony. Mm, Or, yeah, that poor Tony. God, that poor bastard. Anyway, sorry, Tony. Good luck, Uh, Tony. Good luck, Tony. Have a good night, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) God be with you, Tony. Um, Some other experiences that other people that have investigated the house have had, um, apart from the ghost of the little girl attacking males and only males, they think that the little girl is attacking the males. They think that maybe um, it was she, she doesn't like men because of the whole surgery thing. Oh, yeah. Um... They have had, um, people have had, uh, scratch and burn marks on them. Um, <sighs> this list is ridiculous in that it's shocking, the stuff that goes on in this house. Again, the sound of animals, girls, boys, men, and women, many mysterious voices speaking audibly and in English have been captured using EVP technology unexplainable thumps, knocks, thuds, and the sound of non-existent furniture moving, lights turning on and off by themselves, bricks flying at people's heads out of nowhere when they venture down into the basement, uh, dogs barking at unseen objects. That was a common occurrence with the Pikmin's dog. That's a common occurrence here. I mean, it is. (laughs) Um, Areas in in rooms that are strangely cold, fires erupting out of nowhere. See, that's... This is another one of those, like, common ones. That's crazy. Where the Pikmins and other people, I think even on sightings, they saw, like, this one, like, curtain or whatever, just, like, it, like catch fire. Um, picture frames turned upside down. That, I think, would be terrifying. To walk in and find, like, your all your picture frames turned upside down. That would, yeah. 
We're checking out all of Koi's art now. <laughs> it's nailed to the wall in four corners. If any of this turns upside down, we are fizzed. <laughs> um, extreme smells, such as the odor of burning sulfur, which again is an indication of demonic presence. Mm-hmm. Um, objects moving and levitating. Weirdly shaped and colored orbs appearing in photographs taken at the house. And then, as always, stuffed animals, teddy bears specifically rearranging themselves in that upstairs bedroom. Um, uh, there are other ghosts in the house besides Sally and the older woman. According to Deborah Pickman, um, <laughs> these, these entities were compiled um, via analyzing EVPs and the spirit interactions and communications captured during recordings. Um, the voices apparently seem to be consistent during each verbal occurrence, no matter what date it was captured. Some of the names on the list have not been heard, but have been mentioned and referred to in an EVP on several different occasions. So here's who they have captured on EVP in the house. Agnes Finney, the daughter of the couple who owned the house longer than anybody else. Brandon, um, who was an easily irritated, dominant adult male spirit with a good sense of humor who pranks adults in order to make children laugh. Uh, also known as Archie. He just raised his hand. Uh, Charles Finney. Now, wasn't he the doctor? Charles Finney? Or was he the son of the doctor? Um, the or was doc- he the son of a preacher man? I can't keep it straight. <laughs> Michael Finney. Was the doctor. Was the doctor. Okay, so Charles Finney is an older male with an effeminate vocal effect who decades ago competed as an ice skater while dressed as a female. Oh my god, that's me too. <laughs> you can't be a mall. Well, Wait, I can't, is it, Are you I Brandon? Are I you Charles? I can't ice skate. And you don't but have I an speak, effeminate vocal. I, I speak with a lilt. People knew I was gay before I did. Well, I don't think that had anything to do with your lilt. How dare you? How very dare you? <laughs> That's why we knew. <laughs> it was that right there. Okay. Um, oh, shit. Okay, well, I'm done. Also, there is Edith, a senile older woman whom everyone seems to love. Frank Jr., a man who died in Kansas City a year after Sally died when his mom botched a suicide attempt that killed him, but that she survived. So I guess it was a murder-suicide. Ooh. Yeah, way to go, Mom. Um, Joanna Barnes is a dominant female who lived next door to the Sally House until 1906. Her ghostly voice was allegedly captured on audio. There is another entity by the name of Paul. He is a young slave boy who was lynched. It's unclear what his relation is to the house, since slavery was over long before the house was built. There is Ryan, a relative of Sally's who speaks with a slight accent. And then there is Tom Burns, who is a formal... Formal, no, a former Civil War soldier who sometimes appears in the house dressed in his military uniform. So these are just some of the entities that have been captured on EVP recordings um, in the house. So when that one group was using their little divining rods or whatever, and they're bringing other human spirits up from the basement, man, they, did they bring a fuck time. Man, do they bring them up? Yeah, man, do they bring the party? So, some of the EVPs that have been caught um, at the house, I only, I, only ca- I only wrote down a few of them because I thought they were the best. Um, one investigator asked, do you believe in God? And the EVP that they caught replied, 
almost immediately, no help there. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Um, another EVP caught uh, one of the ent- entities saying Beelzebub. That's not comforting at all. Mm. Um, and then this one is the funniest one. This is the one you were listening to, the, to it with me with. <laughs> Um, another person asked, can you hear me? And the EVP caught said, no, (laughs) (laughs) which I thought was really fucking hysterical. So that's what I've got on the Sally house guys. There is a a ton of YouTube videos that you can watch. Um, there's a movie about the Sally house. There's a bazillion books written by this Deborah Pickman on the Sally house. I can't believe how much you got. Yeah, I in mean, a short window yeah. of research. I know. I this episode could have been another two and a half hour one, but wow. Yeah, we thought we'd give you guys a break. Anyway, <laughs> um, my no before you go. It is located at five hundred eight North Second Street in Atchison, Kansas. Um, if you have questions or to book an investigation, you can email Deborah at thesallyhouse.com. Um, do mention in your subject line that, that it's a participation request. So um, I would like to go and visit it. However, I have watched a couple of um, YouTube videos, and I actually think that some of the guests on Tony and, and um, EVP's weekly Facebook Live show, I think some of the guests have actually said that they've had an entity entity attached themselves to them when they investigated this place. Oh, that's a big no. Yeah. But also, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, from visitatchison.com, Amelia Earhart was born in this small town. She was, yes. Northwest of Kansas City. I was going to put that as a fun fact, but... Um, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, I didn't. I actually forgot to, so I'm glad oh. that you said it. <laughs> so, Archie and I have had a very busy day. We've got a lot of things that we're planning for next week's live recording uh, down at the abandoned Phelps Dodge Hospital in Ajo. So, I literally had not gotten my research done until about... Five minutes before we recorded this. So, um, yeah, I, I was like, oh, that's a fun fact. And I haven't done fun facts in a while. Oh, wow. So I'm glad you mentioned it. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, Amelia Earhart's birth home was not far from this place. Five, how, five blocks? Oh, two blocks down five, around the corner? I don't even know what blocks are anymore. I mean, who knows? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's what same I got, town, guys. Same place. Same Good town. Job. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Kansas, she said, was the name of the star. Um... <laughs> That was lame. Um, <laughs> sorry, guys. I take it all back. I regret everything. <laughs> that's, that's it from us. That is the Sally House. Oh. Like I said, there's a number of TV shows. There's a number of websites and investigations that people have done. You can watch them. They're all very, very fascinating. Um, some of the investigators that I watched were kind of stupid and um, went in antagonizing whatever is in that house, which I... <sighs> You guys, long-time listeners, know I hate that. That's just so fucking rude. Sometimes people suck, Arch. We say it a lot on this show. So, yeah, I hate that. So some of those videos on YouTube, I was like, nope, we're not watching you. Because already, already I feel like it's garbage. Yep. But there are some really, really great ones. So I highly recommend checking it out. There's just too much that I could have put in my research um, that would have... You know, taken taken forever. I mean, I could talk about this place forever, but nobody has that kind of time. I just bought a house, and we need to move in four months, so I gotta. <laughs> I, I don't have time to talk about all the hauntings of the Sally House. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
All right. Do you have anything else to, to tell the folks? Just you can always find us where you find your favorite podcasts. We are at HOAH Podcast on all social media and at HOAHpodcast.com and Patreon, again, HOAH Podcast. Yes, yes, that is correct. Um, yeah, we are everywhere. In fact, we are also now on Amazon Music, guys. Oh, God, that's right. Yeah, Amazon Music, Apple, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Radio.com. I mean, everywhere. We have hoard ourselves out. We have hoard ourselves out to everyone. So, um, <laughs> look, here the listeners come pouring up the driveway. Here they go. Um, <laughs> anyway, guys, this, I hope you enjoyed this very first um, episode recording that we're doing today is October 3rd. This episode drops next week on the 10th. We've got some amazing locations to bring you and we're going to be recording a couple of episodes, um, in spooky locations. So we're very excited about that. And as always, um, stay safe out there because you never know who or what is listening. listening. Bye guys. Bye.